It's the JT The Brick Show. They get the snap ball. Hand off Jacobs. That's the first down of the goal. 15, 10, 5, touchdown Raiders! Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Raiders bring a blitz. He is smothered and brought down. Max Crosby came around for the sack. Your silver and black home to sound off for over 20 years. Snap to car in the shotgun. Back to pass. Climbs the pocket. Eyes downfield. Fires a strike to Devontae at the 25. Breaks away 20. 15, 10, 5. Dives. Touchdown Raiders. And now, here's JT the Brick. Welcome back, everybody. JT on the flagship of the Raiders. Raider Nation Radio. We'll talk to the captain of the Vegas Golden Knights, Mark Stone, coming up here in about 15 minutes with their schedule today. Also, we had Warren Moon, Hall of Famer, to the show near the bottom of the hour. How's that for an hour? In Vegas Sports Talk Radio, we're monitoring the Raiders in the offseason. There's no real breaking news today other than the fact that we have a couple of first-team All-Pros, Pro Bowlers on this team as some of the accomplishments are coming down. And Josh Jacobs leading the league in rushing. I think that deserves a phone call. We haven't done that yet with Josh to congratulate him for this title. That's a good topic this hour if you can get in in between our guests is what did Josh Jacobs' effort mean to you this year as the season ticket holder, a fan of this team? What did you see from Josh Jacobs that surprised you? I'm surprised by it. I didn't think he'd lead the league in rushing. I didn't encourage them signing him to an extension. I thought coming into the year, it was kind of a prove-it year because running backs, there are a lot of young running backs coming in with fresh legs who can do the job for much cheaper And this was a new regime. The new regime wasn't going to give out a lot of new money. But they did to Max, because Max is special. They did to Darren Waller. They signed Renfro. I think those players, no disrespect to Josh Jacobs, looked like a better investment in the short term and long term for what they did the year before, which Josh Jacobs did not. And then Josh blew everybody out of the water, and we should love that. You know I'm a diehard Yankee fan. What Aaron Judge did... I didn't want to give Aaron Judge $300 million. I thought the Brian Cashman lowballed him at $220 million. Should have came in at you know, 295 or whatever. Maybe Judge would have took it. Aaron Judge said, no, 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 no. I'm going to do this on my own. And he had one of the greatest seasons of all time. And he made another 75 to $80 million, which is generational wealth, betting on himself. And Josh Jacobs is going to get what he deserves. Lamar Jackson is expecting an uphill battle to play Sunday versus the Bengals. That's reported by NFL Network. Also NFL Network reporting Tua has not been cleared by doctors and will be out versus the Bills on Sunday due to a concussion. We've spent a lot of time in the NFL and on sports radio trying to figure out concussions. I talked to and I'm privy to talk to a lot of Raider Hall of Famers and legends that suffered many more concussions, many more than Tua, many more. And they kept playing because back in the day, basically you got some smelling salts and went out there and, you know, decided you were going to play for the team. You don't do that anymore. We, we, we should never do that anymore. We should care about the brain health of every player. And the league does too. The league has paid out insurance policies, paid out money, not enough to former players who built this league. I've had the ability to sit down with football players in their 60s, 70s, and 80s who I know well that it takes them five or ten seconds to realize we're in a conversation because they played football their whole life and their brain has been injured from playing football. I believe it's smart to protect Tua. I just think the league needs to be a little bit more transparent. If Tua Tungavailoa is not going to play against the Bills, 
which is a divisional playoff game because they play each other twice a year. I think the gamblers, the fans, everyone needs to know why. Now, you might say it's none of our business. No, I disagree. If you took gambling out of the sport, then it wouldn't be our business. If you took fandom out. But I think at a a minimum that there, there should be a team doctor, not the head coach, Mike McDaniel, saying that this is a unique scenario. Typically, a quarterback does clear concussion protocol in a week or two or 10 days. This is different because two is not recovering well. That's it. We won't ask any follow-up questions. Just give us a statement on why the player is not clearing concussion protocol because maybe it'll educate other teams down the road. I think that's a big topic. Some people don't. I, I, you know, Some things I think are more important than other topics. So you got a couple of quarterbacks. Think of the quarterbacks in the playoffs. And this probably aggravates a lot of Raider fans about Derek Carr, who's a very good quarterback. Think of the quarterbacks that we have playing in the playoffs, everybody. We have Trevor Lawrence, who deserves to be there. He was taken number one overall. They fired Urban Meyer and brought in Doug Peterson at the right time. And all of a sudden, Doug Peterson fixed him. He's a quarterback risperer. What a great hire that was. Doug Peterson to Jacksonville. We have Geno Smith playing in the playoffs. Derek Carr's career has been 10 times bigger than Geno Smith's. But Geno made the Pro Bowl this year. He'll be comeback player of the year. Brock Purdy can't lose. He's the quarterback for the Niners. He's easily a third-string quarterback, not a second. He was on the Niners' depth chart as the third stringer behind Trey Lance, Jimmy Garoppolo, and then Mr. Irrelevant. He's playing in the playoffs. Justin Herbert is elite. You know what I think of him? I think he is great. The Dolphins now don't have a quarterback because Tua can't play. The Bills have Josh Allen, who's elite. The Giants have Daniel Jones, who I don't even think is as good as Derek Carr. I think he's a step below Derek Carr, but he's much more athletic than Derek Carr outside the pocket as a running quarterback. He led the big blue wrecking crew to a 9-7-1 record. The Vikings have Kirk Cousins, not elite, but very good. First quarterback ever to make $84 million guaranteed. The Ravens don't know what they're doing now. They're on a third quarterback, Lamar Jackson. Massive story today. It doesn't look like he'll go. The Bengals have Joe Burrow. Former number one pick. Looks like he's on pace to be a Hall of Famer. I repeat, a Hall of Famer. Dak Prescott with the Cowboys, one of the highest paid quarterbacks in the league with endorsements and a salary. And then finally, the greatest quarterback of all time in Tom Brady. So we have a different group of quarterbacks, everybody here. We got a really different group of quarterbacks. And if you're a Raider fan, you got to be pretty frustrated that the Raiders didn't make the playoffs with Derek Carr, considering what we're looking at here in the playoffs. What would have happened if Derek Carr scored more points against Baker Mayfield up 16-3? to What would have happened if Derek Carr, it's not just his fault, it's the whole team, the coaches, if Derek Carr would have held on to a 17-0 lead against Jacksonville? What would have happened if Derek Carr picked up, not two, one more first down with his legs, not his arm, one more first down, and Arizona didn't have a chance to win that game down 20 nothing late in the fourth quarter when they just needed more first downs, and they got him. you got to ask yourself these questions when the Raiders look for a quarterback of the future. David in Vegas. Thanks for waiting, David. You're up next. Go ahead. Thanks, JT. Hey, I don't think we hired Dave Ziegler to do the easy thing. We, we, we hired him to do hard stuff. Mm-hmm. So go out there and, and, do, and do your job, right? He needs to get us a, a quarterback. Devo- we can't waste Devontae. We can't waste Josh Jacobs. we got to keep Josh Jacobs. We can't waste these guys the next two, three years. We need a quality quarterback. Go out and get Lamar if that's what you can do. Bring Brady in. 
for a, for a couple of years. I don't need Jimmy Garoppolo. We should have kept Carr if we're going to get Jimmy Garoppolo. But we need these guys to do some heavy lifting, not give them a, not give them a break. And in the end, Mark Davis needs to get a uh, a partner so that if we need to get rid of these guys, we can afford to get rid of them. Wait, 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 wait a second. Wait a second. Wait, wait a second. Hold on a second. Don't come to me on this Mark Davis doesn't have any money thing. When I know how much money he has and how much that stadium's printing, there's nothing holding nothing holding back Mark Davis since you've heard of Mark Davis in getting a player, any player in this league, due to lack of money. That's a rumor, and if you can point out the player that he hasn't been able to get because you believe he doesn't have the money, I will challenge you on that all day long. I'm not. I'm not talking. I'm not talking about a player. I'm talking about if you need to get rid of a coach, you need to have cash on hand. That's different money. That's cash on hand. No, no, you don't. Mark Davis has no problem. How do you know Mark Davis's finances, personal or with the team? I don't know. You don't. So goodbye, 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 goodbye. See, that's what won't happen on this show. You're calling into the show acting like Mark Davis needs cash on hand to do what again? To what? Run a Metallica Guns N' Roses concert? Buy the Las Vegas Aces? Build the Aces a new facility? the Raiders a brand new facility build the stadium what are you talking about you have no idea what you're talking about I know Mark longer than most people here and I don't know his finances so so you're going to call into a radio show and say he needs a partner to do what that's erroneous gossip you don't know that at all so again that's what frustrates me when people say that did Mark Davis need money to go pay Devontae Adams Max Crosby Darren Waller Hunter Renfro Come on, man. Be better than that. To Mark Davis to bring on a partner. Mark Davis has been more than generous when it comes to the stadium, the headquarters. I can go down a road for two hours without a commercial on the charity work he's done in this town. The amount of money that he's given to people that you don't know about and how generous he is with his money outside football and his family. So again, you know, I get triggered when I hear that from time to time because it's not fair. And if there is reporting down the road from league reporting or he brings something up or that, you can come back to here on the show and we can discuss it. But, you know, that really bothers me when people try to sit here and talk about anyone's net worth and anybody's money because Mark didn't get into this with any money. Mark doesn't care about money. Mark isn't a guy who could sell this team for billions and go to a beach somewhere on an island. He doesn't care about that. He cares about winning and wanting to win. So, again, uh, I have no problem backing that one up there. And I think, you know, people should show some respect when it comes to an owner of an NFL team. If you're upset about him for wins and losses, more power to you. He can handle that. He's in front of the fans all the time. But when you're starting to talk about, you know, net worth and money and needing a partner and all that, that is just bogus. And that doesn't fly with me. 702-365-9200 as we're keeping an eye on Ian Rappaport today and all the news that is coming out here and the moving lines because Tua has been cle- not been cleared to play. So Tua is out. And it looks like from the lines that Lamar Jackson will not play in this game. So that is a big one right now. Also, Ian Rappaport reporting 27 minutes ago, the Broncos and now the Arizona Cardinals and the Houston Texans all have permission to speak with Sean Payton about the head coaching jobs. Plenty of good options for the Super Bowl winning coach to jump in. Peter Schrager, 29 minutes ago, the Houston Texans have also requested permission to talk to Sean Payton. He cannot formally interview with any team until after 
January 17th. Now, if I'm Sean Payton and I want something long-term, I think he's waiting for the Cowboys. If Mike McCarthy doesn't win, then there's a topic there that he could go to the Dallas Cowboys and work for his former boss in Jerry Jones, or he could wait. But Houston, to me, is a good opportunity because Sean Payton can draft one of the top two quarterbacks overall and go out there and make a move on that. Speaking of the Dallas Cowboys, Jerry Jones spoke on his radio show about the status of Mike McCarthy as head coach going forward if, God forbid, he doesn't beat the Buccaneers. No, I don't even want to. Uh, no, that's it. I don't need to go into all the pluses or minuses, but I've got uh, a lot more to evaluate Mike McCarthy on than this playoff game. So I don't agree with that. I, th- I believe in the in the town square and everybody who thinks that Mike McCarthy, who I like as a person, will get fired if he doesn't win. And that's because, not Sean McVay, Sean Payton's available. If Sean Payton wasn't available, then I don't think we'd be talking about this. But I think that that's the guy that Jerry Jones has wanted all the way back to Bill Parcells. And that would be the type of player that he wants to go out and the type of coach he wants to go out and get. More from Jerry Jones on the confidence that he has, not only with McCarthy, but the complete coaching staff. I can't tell you how much confidence I've got in uh, Mike and our coaching staff of being on top of where we are with this team right now. I have complete confidence in this coaching staff. It's outstanding. Uh, We've got a a great chance to go down there and have uh, success. And then one more from Jerry Jones. I think a big one. He's never beaten Tom Brady. Think of that. Jerry Jones, he's the owner of the team. He's a gold jacket Hall of Famer. Has not beaten Tom Brady, and he has to go up against him again in Tom Brady's house. We're playing Tampa Bay, the team. And uh, it's it's inconceivable that we could uh, make Brady not play well and get their tails beat by the rest of the team. And I'm not trying to be cute, but we've got to go play the entire team. And this Brady thing has got to be sensitive. I, I know it's there, and I respect that gives us a challenge to do something we haven't done before, and that's beat Tom Brady. Yeah, I think that's really good. The, the fact that they haven't been able to beat him is incredible, absolutely incredible that Brady's undefeated against him. Remember, Brady most of the time was in the AFC. They didn't play the Cowboys a lot. When he was with the Patriots, now with the Buccaneers, a smaller sample size. But to be undefeated in this league as a quarterback after that many games against America's team, the Dallas Cowboys, that's a big number for Brady. Tom Brady also spoke about on his podcast. People were asking him about this on Let's Go, his podcast and where his head's at heading into this big game to kick off the playoffs. We have seven days to prepare. We're, we've got kind of the whole week. I don't know. I'm sure everyone's a little bit day-to-day right now. I'm hoping we're pretty healthy. I mean, I, I really I believe we're going to be as healthy as we've been all year, which is kind of exciting You know, to get some guys back that haven't been in there and then you know, see if we can go play our best football because – I even said after the game, you know, it sucks being eight and nine. You know, you're playing against teams that have way better records, 12 and five, whatever it is. But you know what? The only thing that matters is who wins that day. And Brady's won a lot. Uh, Seahawks and 49ers. I think if the Seahawks win with Geno Smith, it could be one of the greatest upsets of Pete Carroll's career. The only reason I put an asterisk by it is he wouldn't have beaten Joe Montana, Steve Young. He'd be beating Brock Purdy. For the Seahawks fans, and there are some here in Southern Nevada, there are Seahawks fans everywhere. They are playing with house money now. I think the Seahawks can go into this game and just go have a good time and say, look, we're not supposed to be here. We got in. We didn't backdoor our way in. We earned it. We earned it with Geno Smith. 
Let's go win this game. And they've beaten the Niners over those years, going back to Marshawn Lynch and the Legion of Boom. L-O-B. Those are big games. All right, the Vegas Golden Knights here. When we take a look at the West, the Golden Knights on top of the Pacific with 56 points. Mark Stone, the captain, with 17 goals and 21 assists, joins us today. Mark, appreciate you doing this. I hope you're feeling healthy. Great. Happy New Year. How are you? I'm doing great. Happy New Year. Yeah, it's been a good, uh, good little four days off for us. It's been a nice recovery. Awesome. Let's talk about the chemistry this year for you, Mark, as the captain with previous teams and previous rosters. How optimistic are you with the locker room, the chemistry, and what you guys have done so far this year? Yeah, it's been a pretty awesome locker room from day one. Um, you know, guys are buying in. Uh, you know, we want to win, so uh, we understand that. Um, I think everybody's kind of understanding their role. Um, you know, we're finally getting healthy. Uh, up front, we still got a few guys uh, on the back end that uh, uh, we'd like to get back, but um, we're pretty close to the full health up front, and uh, the vibe in the dressing room has uh, been pretty awesome. So, um, yeah, not worried about the, not worried about the, the chemistry of the room uh, at all. That's one thing that uh, the captain don't really have to worry don't really have to worry about. Yeah, Mark, what's interesting, too, is when you're at, you have guys that are out and you have six or seven starters out at one point, you're the captain of this team, and you're going out and leading by example this year, taking some of the younger players and telling them what their roles are and bringing everyone together to win these pivotal games, especially on the road. Let's talk about this road record and what's fascinated, about you, uh, fascinated you about the effort this year, especially away from Vegas. Yeah, I mean, obviously we don't, want our road record to be better than our home record we'd like them to be you know a little bit more even but uh you know, we've done a good job at uh you know finding ways to get points uh, no matter where we're playing uh, now we've had a couple pretty long road trips so far out east that, you know i think we went would we go seven and seven and one on those two trips combined which um you know, i don't think there's too many teams in the league that are going to be doing that so uh we're pretty you know, we're pretty mindful of uh, of the way we need to play on the road. Um, you know, I think these last couple couple weeks we've brought that mindset back to T-Mobile and turned uh, to uh, turn to play better on home ice. Mark Stone is our guest, captain of the Vegas Golden Knights. Mark, what's changed in the last month to change the penalty kill from seventy two percent in October and November to over ninety percent in December? What's working there? What do you see? Um, you know, I think we, you know, we. We had two new coaches, um, obviously Butch being the head coach and Johnny Stevens coming in, um, working with the defense and running the penalty kill. So it was, I don't know if it was more, um, you know, it's just different terminology, right? So um, I think guys are finally you know, a little bit more comfortable uh, you know, in the meetings with Johnny with his terminology. And uh, I think we're, we're starting to, like you said, with chemistry, we're starting to build chemistry um, not only with with the players, but with the with Johnny on the penalty kill, with uh, uh, understanding roles, understanding where to be, and, and understanding when to be aggressive and when to be passive. Um, and I think we've at first we we kind of just sat back the whole time, and that's kind of what we thought to do. And, and now we're starting to understand uh, aggressive. There's times we need to sit back. I think we've done a good job at uh, understanding when to do 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 one or the other. Uh, Mark Stone is our guest. I want to stay with Bruce Cassidy. You've played with a lot of head coaches throughout your junior career and now in the NHL. 
What is that like with the economy of being a captain when you have a new head coach and the other ones before who were let go did a pretty good job? And then you're leading the locker room saying, here's our new guy, here's his vision, we're all getting behind him. A lot of fans in other sports, Mark, don't understand the changeover in coaches in this sport in general, and this coaching change seems to be working well. Yeah, I mean, I think I, you know, you're, as a player, you never want your your head coach to get fired because usually that means that you you as players have done something um, and have been unsuccessful. So, um, you know, we had some some, some incredible sex, success with um, with Turk, and then we had some great success, some great playoff runs with um, with Pete. Um, you know, obviously we didn't get over the hump, but I mean, it's hard it's hard to win. There's only one team that wins. Uh, mm-hmm. in the NHL, but you know, now it's the same thing with Butch. He wants to win the Stanley Cup. We want to win the Stanley Cup, and it's all about gelling together, um, getting that relationship to... Uh, I mean, I think he's... If you asked him, he, he was probably... Took him, you know, 30 or 40 games to, to understand what kind of player um, we all are, and um, now I think we're at that point where we understand uh, what he expects, uh, his system, and he is starting to understand um, how everybody plays the game, where everybody can fit fit in. Uh, Mark, as we wrap this up with Robin Leonard out and you played with the great Marc-Andre Fleury, when you see Logan Thompson and the way he's playing, that must be really interesting when you show up at the rink every day knowing you have an all-star goalie, a goalie who's playing at such a high level with your goals in front of you and winning the cup. Tell us about this goalie change and especially having two that you can count on any given night. Uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, like you said there at the end, um, you know, obviously Logan's uh, has taken the uh, the majority of the load, but uh, and he's, he's done a great job. He deserves, uh, deserves the recognition of being an all-star. He's uh, you know, he's won a ton of games for us. His numbers are good, but uh, the same thing with with Aiden. I mean, he's given us a chance to win most nights. He's won a lot of hockey games for us. I think he had a little, mm-hmm. um, you know, a little hiccup maybe there in December where he didn't feel like he's at the top of his game. But you know, last start against Pittsburgh, he basically won that game for us in, in the second period, and, and he's done a lot of that throughout the season. So um, yeah, it's it's nice when you you feel comfortable going into the game uh, or going into a game, especially with two two goalies, especially when you're doing goal. That's probably another reason why our, our, our road record is so good, because mm. you, know, you can't go on the road and have the same goalie play you know, four, four games in seven nights or five games in eight days. So uh, Both goalies have done a great job for us and given us opportunities to win. Hey, Mark, I see what you and your wife do in the community and a lot of other players and their wives. How proud are you of the work that you're doing in the community here? And I know from back home, but what you're doing here in Vegas when you sit down with your wife and you have a vision on how you want to help others. Yeah, I mean, I think that's been one of the more frustrating things over the last couple of years, um, not being able to get out in the community. Um, you know, we really love doing stuff, especially around the holidays. Uh, I know my wife and uh, Carlson's wife and uh, a ton of the other girls get together and do the shoe box. Uh, we do a lot of the hospital visits in this, um, uh, during, during the holidays. And for the last you know, number of years, we, we haven't been able to do that um, just with everything that's going on. So, um, you know, I think obviously I'm not a day one guy uh, mm-hmm. with with the Knights, but um, you see the, um, I guess it's, it's a culture uh, as a city, right? Um, uh, between the players, the fans, uh, and all the, uh, the people uh, in the city of Las Vegas kind of bonded together um, that first year. Um, it's been able to, 
uh, create, um, you know, so many, uh, or help with so many different charities, um, help with, uh, you know, bringing this community together, whether it's with uh, the October one, um, uh-huh. it's, it's pretty, pretty special relationship that we have with, uh, with our organization and, and the city and the fans. Mark, last one. When you look at this team and the upside here, there's a lot of new hockey fans here. There's ones that have had other teams from back in the day, and then they were easy to become Golden Knights fans because this is an inaugural expansion team. Now that hasn't been around that long, but it seems like it's always playoff or bust, and more so Stanley Cup or bust. How great do you feel about this group, your long-term goals, and the health of the team coming around that you can lift that cup as the captain here in Vegas? Yeah, I mean, I think that's really the only goal, um, you know, especially as a player that you have going into the season, you want to win the Stanley Cup. Um, obviously, there's uh, other things that, uh, and uh, there's other reasons why you play this game, whether it's for the fans or, um, you know, it's obviously it's a job as well. But, um, you know, I came to Vegas because um, I knew that they wanted to win every single season. Um, they'll do everything they can to, to put the the team on the ice that uh, they expect to win, and um, you know, I look up and down the lineup. Um, you know, last whatever month we played, we've had six, seven guys on the lineup. So, uh, you know, even more on nights, and we're still winning games. So, um, you know, the depth that we have, um, whether it's at the goaltending position, the defense, the forward group, um, it's exciting. Um, you know. <laughs> Can you guarantee uh, winning a Stanley mm-hmm. Cup? No, that's why you play the games, right? Um, best team uh, in the regular season doesn't always win. Um, you know, you, you think you, uh, you're playing your best hockey and something can happen, you get a bad matchup. So um, I, I love our group against anybody. Um, and obviously we've, we've beat some good teams, we've lost to some good teams, but that's, that's the NHL. Uh, it's, a, uh, it's, a, it's a pretty tight league. Uh, mm-hmm. And the standings show it, but um, as far as our group goes, um, I'm, I'm pretty excited with uh, with the high end skill and the depth that we have uh, going forward uh, into the second half of the season, and, and hopefully a deep playoff run that, uh, that ends with uh, uh, what you said, uh, uh, me being able to lift the Stanley Cup and pass it off to my teammates. That would be great. Good luck against the Panthers, the rest of the homestand. Really appreciate you doing this, Mark. All the best. Stay healthy. Appreciate it. Thank you, guys. You got it. Mark Stone, captain of your Vegas Golden Knights. And if you think of this city and who's leading this city in sports, right, faces change. You have stars in multiple sports. You have a WNBA title. You got what UNLV is trying to do in football and basketball. Obviously, the Raiders, as the Raiders are going through a transition there, that guy is unbelievable. Whenever I have the ability on a non-work night to go to a game, either as a fan or a member of the media and watch him play and to see the effort and his leadership and also what he does in the community. Vegas is very fortunate to have Mark Stone, very fortunate to have him because of what he brings there. Really appreciate the Golden Knights, Nate and the crew for setting that up. Nice surprise to get the captain of the Vegas Golden Knights today. And we'll be doing a lot of Golden Knights because they are on the path. As he said, it'd be great to hand off that Stanley Cup to his teammates but they got to have home ice. They've got to continue to charge and play well at home because they're unbelievable on the road. 702-365-9200. Dustin in Northern California. Dustin, did it stop raining or is it still chaos up there? Yeah, it's, it's still chaos. Wow. <laughs> there's a little break in the weather today, but there's another one coming. 
Okay, be safe out there. What's on your mind? Are you allowed to jump from the Sharks to the Golden Knights? Is that okay? Well, if you live in Vegas, I jumped from the Islanders because I made the clean cut because there were brand-new expansion teams, so I got to say goodbye, but you got to be all in if you're going to be VGK. You can't root for the Sharks when they play the Golden Knights. That's the rule. No, not at all. I think I'm off of it. Hey, man, I just want to say thank you for uh, taking the time after that Lewis Murphy interview to t- say hi and take a picture. That was mm-hmm. awesome. Super highlight of the day. Yeah, it was nice I to like talk you. to him and come up to the torch. I appreciate yeah. that. Uh, what do you think about the Raiders offseason? What do you think the top priority is? Uh, resign JJ. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, I, when I was a kid, like my son is a huge Josh Jacobs fan, and when I was a kid it was all about Bo Jackson. So, man, just to see a guy of his caliber playing so well for our team, I mean, it means everything to like just my family. If he would just stay with the team, we love him to death. Um, awesome. Another awesome. comment that I had was yeah, some great seats, and the uh, season ticket holder next to us informed us that uh, nobody has ever sought. No, not the same people have never sat in that those seats before. Mm-hmm. Every game, it's somebody new. So I think there might be a more of a problem of I don't know if this is a Ticketmaster thing in general because it happens. It seems to happen with concerts too. Is that mm-hmm. people are who are not fans are buying tickets with the intention of just selling them to the highest yeah. bidder. Yeah, we I knew that. that. Yeah, we, we appreciate the call. Thank you. We knew that when we came here. And the only thing that I can do is, I've said this, people ask me about people bringing in signs, people selling tickets and all that. Look, I just do what I do. I do what I do at the game. I show up. I sit in my seats. My wife and son sit in my seats. I act accordingly. I enjoy it. And I am not here to police the fans, tell you what you should and shouldn't do, especially in regards to it. All I can do is show you my example. I've even told people and people have taken me up on it. I bought tickets from people who couldn't move their tickets and I haven't shared that with you. Friends of mine have called me up and said, my tickets didn't move. I wanted to sell them. Could you help them out? And I'll say, give them to me. I'll buy them. I'll Venmo you the money. I come out of my pocket and I get paid to be in that building with a credential. I get paid to go in for free. And I'll buy those tickets and I'll give them away or I'll give them to someone else I know. That's all you can do. I, I can't answer that question. I knew that went be- well before we left Oakland and came here because I've lived in Vegas longer than most people. I knew that people would want these tickets like they want Adele tickets, Bruno Mars tickets, rodeo tickets, uh, all the tickets, Carrie Underwood tickets, whoever it is. Everybody wants to come to Vegas. And they will buy your stuff. They'll buy your home if you want to sell it. They'll buy your car. They'll buy your condo if you want to sell it. And football tickets and baseball tickets, if we ever get a team or basketball, it's going to be the same thing. The same thing if the A's move here or there's an NBA team here. And now we're seeing it with the Golden Knights. Look at the Golden Knights that Connor McDavid's coming. Okay, or Sidney Crosby the other night. I had 30, I had 30 Penguin fans in the section I was in. I don't care. I hope all Raider fans do the right thing, hold on to their tickets, and sell them to Raider fans if they're not going to go. But I hope most of you is going and enjoy a good time. I'm having the time of my life at these games socially on top of working. I just like the team to win a little bit more. But I am not your ticket broker. I am not the ticket police. I am not going to come into your section and break up an argument you have or do anything like that. That's past me. I'm here to have a good time and run a fast-paced radio show with Mark Stone and Warren Moon in the same hour. I've done my part. I ain't no ticket broker. 702-365-9200. The great Warren Moon, who does a lot here in Vegas. And I think he's got a lot going on in Vegas around the Super Bowl. I'm going to see him. We already have him booked for the Super Bowl. 
which will be good. And we got a lot of exciting news coming up for Raider Nation Radio as we're taking the shows on the road to Phoenix for our radio road coverage. More on that next week. Stidham in the shotgun. There comes a blitz. He sees it. Jacobs picks it up. Stidham rolls to his right. Tanner take off at the 40. 45 far sideline and steps out of bounds. He picks up eight yards on the scramble to the right. A hole opened up. And just like last week where he picked up four first downs with his legs, he does one here in the opening quarter. Oh, that's the mobility of Jared Stidham. Jason, Jason on the call. What a year he had with Lincoln. Jason Horowitz, new voice of the Silver and Black. He just heard the great Steph McKenzie with the Remy Martin rejoin. We got great news from our partner, Remy Martin. They'll have a minute commercial in the first quarter of the Super Bowl. What an honor that we have a partner on this show that's going to have a commercial airing in the first quarter of the Super Bowl. How fantastic is this? The biggest day deserves the finest celebration. Remy Martin, team up for excellence. Really appreciate that partnership. Especially going into this year, where this is going to be the most important sports year in Vegas history because we count down to Vegas hosting the Super Bowl. And also on top of that, we have F1, which my mind is blown. Every time I talk to people about F1, F1, and listen, I don't talk because I'm not a big F1 guy, but I've been watching the documentary I'm sitting here going, what do you know? What do you know? They're going around the sphere. They bought this land for a quarter of a a billion. Cosmo, MGM, The Views, Caesar has packages for $5 million. I'm like, what what is this going to look like next November into the playoffs? That's why it's imperative the Raiders make the playoffs. And they're building towards the Super Bowl next year, which is this year, but the Super Bowl's in 2024, will be the biggest year in Vegas sports history. Warren Moon, kind enough to join us, and wow, what a great legend and a big part of Vegas and everything he's done for us over the years. Warren, good to talk to you, and I just got the heads up that you went to the national championship game on Monday night, maybe the most dominant performance of all time by Georgia. Tell us about it. How was it? Yeah, that's not what I was expecting when I went in there. I was looking for more of a competitive game, and it was there for about a half a quarter. But uh, at 10-7, Georgia just took off, and the atmosphere was was amazing. You know, both sides brought tons of fans. I think the place was sold out, no question about it. About 50-50 as far as the fans were concerned. But uh, you could tell after, uh, you know, about half that first quarter that Georgia was totally the dominant football team, and and they just played that way throughout. They never let up. Uh, when they got the two turnovers right before the half, they and then went up thirty eight to uh, to seven at halftime. I knew it was pretty much over, and uh, I didn't end up staying the whole game. I left right at the end of the third quarter and tried to get out of there. It was raining like crazy and windy, and it it, it wasn't a great experience last night, JT. I'll put it that way. <laughs> yeah, I know that. I had some people went there. It is tough. It, it, on a clear blue sky day, you got to time traffic there and get in and out of there, but uh, I get that. Hey, Warren, you, I know you talked about this probably with some people you're at the game with. Why the big disparity in talent? Didn't it look to you from your angle that Georgia was just bigger and stronger and throwing around a lot of those TCU players and TCU beat Michigan. So I thought it would be more balanced. What, what the talent levels look like between both teams to you? 
Yeah, you could tell that one team was full of five-star players and another one was full of uh, developed, you know, three three-star players. And and the physicality of the game is where it was won, especially up front in the trenches. I thought uh, TCU's offensive line did a pretty good job of, of protecting the quarterback, but uh, defensively they just couldn't hold up. Um, they just got pushed off the ball. I, I think they had a lot of mental errors in their secondary. You saw receivers running wide open and. Uh, they had a lot of very easy big plays in that ball game. Georgia did something that they haven't had done very well the last few times they've played. So they hit it on all cylinders, and I think they got a wake-up call last week when they almost lost that game to Ohio State, and you could tell they went back to, to work with more focus this last week and really came out and executed really well. Warren Moon, the Hall of Famer, is our guest. So, Warren, there was an injustice with you. You could have went right to the NFL. You ended up going to Canada. We've had countless interviews on that topic for Stetson Bennett. He's 25 years old. I'm not saying you draft him in the first or second round and he becomes a starter in this league, but man, the way he played as the offensive player of the game and two national championships and two rings. I mean, he deserves a spot somewhere in the NFL. What do you think of his ceiling and upside after seeing him last night? You know, he's going to have his challenges just because of his size and also, um, you know, he doesn't come out of a, of a passing-style offense. It depends on what team he would go to the NFL. He'd have to go to the, the right type of team. I think a team like the 49ers or somebody like that that can really tailor their uh, offensive play call into what their quarterback can do well and what he doesn't do well, kind of like what this kid uh, Purdy is doing in, in San Francisco right now. Uh, Kyle Shanahan has just a way of, of making sure he takes advantage of the talent that he has, but he also doesn't doesn't uh, put a lot of stress on their weaknesses. He's going to try and take all their strengths, and that's what he's going to call. So he'd have to go to a team, something like that, maybe even Sean McVay with the Rams. You know what he's doing with Baker Mayfield and and the type of the type of way that he can structure offense. I think those two um, organizations would probably be two good spots for him. Warren Moon is our guest. Great transition to what's going to happen in the NFL playoffs. Uh, Seattle, and you know Seattle well from your years, and to see Geno Smith do what he did this year, a lock for comeback player of the year, one of the greatest seasons ever in the history of this league for an aging, and not an old old aging player, but a fit player that didn't get much opportunities. Clearly at times he wasn't even getting a lot of reps as a backup. Warren, how did he do it? Because I was playing on seeing Aaron Rodgers in Santa Clara against the Niners. I didn't expect Seattle to get in, and Detroit helped Seattle, and now it's Geno versus Brock Purdy. Yeah, Geno's getting his second chance, and and, uh, I think the biggest key for him is maturity, uh, JT. He he was just a very immature guy when he came in the league, but very talented. You know, got into some rifts with some of his players on his own team, and you you just can't do that as a quarterback, uh, get in fist fights and things like that. But I think because he's been behind some veteran players, some really good veteran players as backup, like Eli Manning in New York, and he was with Phillip Rivers for a year, I think, in San Diego, and then Russell for a couple years in San Diego. I think he learned from all those guys what it takes to really be a true professional and and because he has matured, I think the talent has just come along with it and now he's getting a separate second opportunity and he's making the most of it. So I'm happy for him but because you always want to see a guy uh, redeem himself especially if he learns from his mistakes and comes back and and, and does well. Warren, I know you got to like this quarterback uh, challenge here for Justin Herbert and Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence developing into that number one pick overall. And when Herbert's right and healthy and his team's healthy, I think he's got the best arm talent in the league right up there with Mahomes there. This is going to be a quarterback aerial attack 
but the Chargers played some of their players maybe a little too late into that last game. It feels like Brandon Staley's in a must-win situation for the Los Angeles Chargers as they're in Jacksonville. Tell me what you think of that one. Yeah, it's going to be a good game. They played each other earlier this season. I think the Chargers handled them pretty well um, in L.A., uh, Jacksonville so we'll did. Jacks- yeah, Jacksonville beat. I mean, uh, I mean Jacksonville the handled them yeah. very well in L.A. Excuse me. And now you got to go back to Jacksonville and play them too. So Jacksonville's playing at a very high level right now. They have a lot of confidence. Uh, that crowd is going to be behind them. But like you said, uh, Justin Herbert. Um, it's, a lot of stuff doesn't seem to really phase him very much for a young quarterback. And the key is, yeah, is he going to have his, his weapons out there to uh, to make his job a little bit easier? I don't know what's going to happen with Mike Williams this week because he hurt himself the other night. Uh, hopefully he's able to play to go along with the rest of the weapons that he has. And then they're going to have to step it up defensively and, and, and play better on that side of the ball. Like you said, Brandon Staley probably played some of those guys a little bit too long. Uh, mm-hmm. So if he does lose his football game, he'll take a lot of criticism for that, depending on how they lose it. Warren Moon, as we wrap it up, you know, the Giants got to sit Daniel Jones, who's a runner. He can run well, along with Saquon Barkley as they play the Vikings. But I'd rather ask you more about Dak playing late and into that last game. As it looked like Mike McCarthy was trying to get him one more score and rhythm, almost Warren send him off on a good note heading into the Tampa game against the Buccaneers, and it backfired on him. Cowboys won 12 games. They're a favorite on the road against Tampa, a team under 500. Tell me about this game and what's intriguing to you. Well, like you said, you know, Dak hasn't played well the last three or four games as far as turning the football over. So, yeah, you'd love to get your quarterback playing at a, you know, at a, at a good rhythm and also having something positive to, to end that last game with before he goes into the playoffs. So I think that's probably why he played him as long as he did, trying to get him a series where he re- really felt good about himself and scored, and then you take him out of the ball game. But I don't know. I think they had, what, eight or nine? three and outs in that football game, mm-hmm. something yeah. they haven't had all all season long. So you, you wonder, you know, where Dak is mentally going into this football game and their offense. Uh, you wonder where their team is mentally going into this football game. So you know that uh, Tampa Bay held them to three points in the first ball game of the year. They're a much better team than that right now. But uh, sometimes you go back and you look at those things you did against another football team, you wonder if you're going to able, be able to, to, to move the ball and, and, uh, and win the game against them on the road uh, in Tampa, especially with Tom Brady on the other side of the ball. So psychologically, it'd be, it's going to be a question of where uh, Dallas is when they come out of the, uh, the locker room and how they start that football game. We'll see how they are early in that ball game. Uh, last one, Warren. How did you and your family, how were you affected by DeMar Hamlin from when it happened on Monday Night Football where he needed CPR to get him to the hospital and save him. And then the whole entire week, you're a big part of this NFL family from the Hall of Fame to your great career. How did that affect you and your family personally now that it looks like he survived that incident and hopefully we can pray for even more good news? Yeah, what what a tragic situation that was. But uh, what uh... – you know, great response by the first responders and the trainers on the field to get to that young man and give him uh, give him care and, and uh, treatment right away. And I think that's what really saved his life because basically he was dead on the field for, for a while as long as his heart was, was not beating. So uh, that part of it has become an amazing recovery, and uh, he's already back in, in Buffalo and, and doing very well. So it, it all came out of it happy. But that night, yeah, it was a very dark night because – I've seen a lot of guys get carted off the field. I've seen a lot of guys get, 
get taken off the field on stretchers, but never a situation like that. And for those players to have to witness that on the field, uh, that's something that I'm, I'm glad they didn't continue that game to go on because those players were totally uh, emotionally distraught, and there's no way they would have been able to go out there and hit each other and play football anymore after that. So the NFL did a great job of making sure that game ended, and uh, I think uh, what you saw this weekend with him recovering and what it did to the Buffalo Bills football team, taking the opening kickoff, I mean, you you can't script that type of stuff and take it for a touchdown. Uh, it, it's amazing what uh, what the Lord and all these prayers can do uh, for for a human being and also just for people in general. Thanks, Warren. We'll promote everything you're doing around the Super Bowl, Radio Row, obviously what you're doing for Pro Bowl in Las Vegas. So I plan on seeing you a bunch here in the next six weeks or so. So thanks for joining me as always. Always great seeing you and look forward to it. And thanks for having me on your show, JT. You take care, my man. You too, Warren. Warren Moon. Great to call him a friend and We'll have some coverage with him from the Super Bowl in Phoenix. Uh, Buffalo Bills safety DeMar Hamlin was discharged from the hospital earlier today after tests showed he was fit enough to rehab at home. The team said so he has been sent home. Amazing what's happened. A week from this past Monday, as we sit here on a Wednesday and see that miracle of life as he was revived on the field, stayed in the hospital in Cincinnati for a week, sent to Buffalo, back to the hospital, and now sent home. Wow, what a story. An emotional story in Buffalo has a chance to do something special in the postseason. We'll wrap up the show next, tell you what we have tomorrow. Shotgun for Dodge. He drops. It's a blitz. An all-out blitz. They hit him. He likes to go. The ball comes out. The ball comes out and it's picked up. The Jags are running it back. The Jags are running it back. The Jags are going to run it into the end zone. Josh Allen scores a touchdown. Josh Allen is running back. Yeah, check that out. That's Jags Radio. The Jaguars beat Tennessee to win the division on a defensive scoop and score on a fumble. Trevor Lawrence did not have a great game. Trevor Lawrence wasn't ripping it up there. They needed their defense to win, and that defense will be needed to beat the L.A. Chargers. As the Chargers get a break, if you told the Chargers before the start of the year that they weren't going to win the division over Kansas City, which is fair, they were going to have to play on the road in the playoffs, and they play in Jacksonville, Chargers Raiders would take that every day of the week. You get to open up against a warm-weather team. That isn't great. That was the team that had the first pick overall because they were the worst team in football. Chargers, I think, get a big break. So if the Chargers lose that game, that's tough for them to spin. If they win that game, then we'll see what they do. Kevin Ioli reporting from Yahoo. Dana White confirms he won't be punished or stepped down as UFC president following the domestic violence incident where he slapped his wife in Cabo. Dana said, quote, I'm sure you guys have seen the TMZ video and have seen my interviews. White said in an opening statement, it's obvious. A horrible personal experience. There's no excuse for it. It's something I'm going to have to deal with and live with for the rest of my life. One thing I don't one thing that I don't want to clarify is that I don't talk about this because it was already on TMZ. I didn't expect it, didn't see it coming, and the people are defending me. He gave his statement. Kevin Ioli just put it out. You can look at it at Yahoo. Great job, Bobby. Thanks to Mark Stone, Warren Moon, Bill Williamson, and Vinny Bonsignor. That's the goal. We accomplished it. Hell of a job, everybody, today. Thanks for listening.